one but you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good morning. You guys can have a seat. I am so excited to be here this morning speaking to you for the first time. <laughs> um, my name is Joy. I'm the associate pastor here. Um, for anybody that's new and doesn't know that, and often I forget to introduce myself when I'm up here. So I'm Joy. Nice to meet you all. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. We've been talking about our word for the year, surrender, which is not the most fun word, amen? <laughs> Sometimes it's like, surrender, that's hard. But we've been talking about all the ways, becoming like a child, um, walking in our authority, being spirit-filled, listening to the spirit, surrendering our finances, surrendering our lives. And last week, we talked about Jesus surrendering himself even unto death. And um, Easter is one of my favorite times because I just love that reminder of how willing Jesus was, how far he was willing to go for me and for you. Surrender. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> That's awesome. But today we're going to talk a little bit. Um, I'm a singer, so I'm going to talk in musical terms a little bit. Today's message is entitled, I will sing until the miracle happens. Everybody say that. I will sing until the miracle happens. Yes. 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 Our biggest, our biggest thing is praise and singing. So surrendering to suffering or disappointment is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And I know every single person, including myself, has been in that place. Yes? Amen. Suffering and disappointment, that's a fact of life. <laughs> Everybody goes through it. Everybody has it. Maybe you're in it right now. And I'm just here to hopefully encourage you this morning. Um, the word disappointment, interestingly, the Hebrew and Greek origins of it suggest a deception of sorts. And I thought that was interesting. Deception in the sense of unmet expectations or broken promises. I know we've felt that before with disappointment. What I thought was going to happen didn't happen. Or somebody promised something and didn't follow through, so we're disappointed. And an old French word loosely translates disappointment to mean to lose one's appointment, to lose something. We can be disappointed from something. Now, a lot of you know this already, and some of you don't, but um, I am a divorced, single mom of two beautiful boys. And I'm also a survivor of childhood abuse. And so I know a little bit of something about sitting in the disappointment. I've experienced a little bit about losing that which I felt appointed to. One would probably argue that I felt appointed to my marriage as a wife, but I was disappointed by someone else's choices. And that's hard. That's hard when somebody else's actions affect you. But what I've learned over the many years since that is that instead of sitting in the disappointment and being sad and upset about the expectation not being met, I've learned that instead of me being disappointed, instead God reappointed me to a bigger life than even I imagined for myself. Amen. God knows. Scripture talks about disappointment in Proverbs. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. 
heartsick, disappointed, disappointed to this to the point of being heart sick, something that we're hoping for not coming to pass. But I want to suggest to you that God knows better sometimes. <laughs> and that a disappointment might in fact be a reappointment in your life to something bigger that you can't yet see. I also want to suggest to you this morning, based on my own personal testimony, that sometimes God uses disappointment for our good, as always, but the disappointment is actually his mercy to us. That might be a tough one for everyone. Disappointment might be mercy. And I actually think we, we see this in a powerful way based on last week's message about Jesus going to the cross. Jesus himself in Gethsemane, through his very blood and tears, begged God to take the cup from him. And he didn't. Why? Because he was merciful to us. God was merciful to us, and he knew what was on the other side. God knows what's on the other side. So could it be that down some path we're all so determined to go down <laughs> that there's some danger that we don't know? Something is going to come into our life that will derail his calling on our lives. If we were to continue down a path that we think that God wants us to go down, and that's great because we all do, do that, there might be something that we don't know. There might be something that we can't see. And I believe that God is unwilling to let anything come into our paths that will derail us or steal, kill, and destroy your destiny. Amen? Yeah. The difficult part that we're going to talk about this morning is that gap between what we want to happen and what's actually happening. There's a space. This is what I'm planning for, what I'm praying for, what I'm trying to execute, I'm striving for. This is what I think God's will is. But over here is what's really happening. And that space in between, I would argue, is suffering, yes? <laughs> we suffer. One of the first names of God recorded in the Bible is declared by Hagar in Genesis. A lot of you are familiar with this story, I know. Um, Abraham and Sarah have been promised to have a child by God. Decades goes by and Sarah starts to not believe the promise. She is disappointed. And so, as was the culture back then, she had a maidservant that she sent to her husband to conceive a child. An interesting thing about the Hebrew culture is that when a wife sent a maidservant or a concubine to the husband to conceive, and they did bear a child, that culture's legality was that the child actually belonged to the wife. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong, right? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so that's what happens. Sarah doubts God's promise, and she sends her maidservant to her husband, and she does conceive, and she becomes pregnant. And, shocker, some animosity arises between the two ladies. Again, who could have seen that coming? And so Sarah sends Hagar, pregnant Hagar, out into the wilderness. She banishes her. And Hagar goes, pregnant, without a home, wanders out into the wilderness. So in Genesis 16, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. 
It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. And the angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. And she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. She said, I have now seen the one who sees me. The Lord found her, comforted her, and directed her next steps. And so she gave him the name El Roy, the God who sees. She was just a maidservant in the middle of the wilderness. She was nobody. And God saw her. He saw her and he cared for her. We pick up the story again in Genesis 21. By now, Isaac, the promised son to Abraham and Sarah, has been born. The promise has been fulfilled. And now Hagar's son, Ishmael, is about 16. And as again, shocker, as you can imagine, <laughs> some more animosity arises between Sarah and Hagar. And Sarah doubts Isaac's claim to his inheritance because of Ishmael. And so she sends them away again and banishes them to the wilderness again. And so Hagar and Ishmael go out and wander the desert as their water begins to run out. And we pick it up in Genesis 21, 15. When the water and the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. I've been in this place. I would imagine most of you have been in this place as well. I can't bear what's happening. I'm done. And all that's left is to cry. But then, God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. El Roy, the God who sees. He sees, and this name would be continually affirmed through the Old Testament. God saw the suffering of Leah, whose husband loved her sister more than her. He saw the suffering and injustice done to Joseph when his brothers sold him into slavery and he was falsely accused of rape and thrown into a prison for decades. God saw that. And he saw the suffering and groaning and misery of his people in Egypt and delivered them from slavery. God sees your heartache. Wherever you're at, he sees it. But he doesn't just see it. He wants to comfort you in it. He is in it with you. Psalm 34, 17 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them, and he delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Amen. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. That is a promise from our Lord to you. He is close to you. And he saves, saves us when we're crushed in spirit. 
seven years ago, um, our family did break up, and my kids' dad left our home. And I just want to quickly share a story about the day that he told the kids that he was leaving. I do have permission to tell the story from the kids, just so you know. <laughs> um, but my point is that I had to watch it happen. That's where I'm going with it. I knew it was coming. They were believing the world to be one way, and I knew eventually that day it was going to change. They were very little, and I knew they wouldn't understand. And I had to watch them receive that news, and their little, their little heads just drooped, and they started to cry. And I just sat there, because I couldn't change the situation. I couldn't fix it. My heart was breaking for them, more so than even for my own part in the situation. It was way harder to watch my kids go through that. And I just wanted to run to them and scoop them up and hold them until it was okay again, or until they felt safe, or they felt loved, or they knew it was safe. And I just had to sit there. And I will tell you something that I did not know the depth of God's love for me until I became a parent. Um, and this is true even if you don't have biological children. If you have somebody that you care for, I know that you will relate to this a little bit. God wants to comfort us so much. It's our instinct to want to draw people close when they're hurting. And the reason we're like that is because God is like that. And he made us like him. So what I, I want to say to you this morning is that it's not about reading the self-help books, agonizing in prayer, trying to draw close to God, ticking the boxes, doing all the things. God is already near. He is with you. And he wants to be the one to draw you close. Sometimes the simplest things are the hardest. We just have to let him. We just have to let him hug us. Let him draw us close. Obviously, as the days and weeks went by after that news and that day, as most who are divorced in this room can attest, it did not get better. It got worse. <laughs> and actually, I do want to address anyone in this room who is divorced like me. Because I believe God has a message for you this morning. And that is... That is something that happened to you, not who you are. And it does not disqualify you from the kingdom. God knows other people's choices. God knows the messiness of relationships. If you are in the situation where you are getting divorced, you have been divorced maybe multiple times, that does not disqualify you from building the kingdom. It is not who you are. Being married is not a requirement to fulfill God's calling on your life. And I know a lot of us, I'm speaking to myself here, feel that way sometimes. It's lonely and it's hard, but it is not a requirement and God sees you where you are. Amen? Yes. So a lesson I learned the hard way was how to be held by God. Joy is not, does not come from trying to hold it all together. It comes from letting ourselves be 
held. So God provided for Hagar and Ishmael. He was Elroy in the desert. And he saw their need and their suffering and he provided for them. But sometimes God doesn't provide tools. But what he will always provide is himself. Sometimes we're in a situation and it's painful. And there's not necessarily a way out in the moment. But what there always is, is more of God for you. He wants to give you himself. So the next name of God I would like to talk about is Elohim. Father God, the creator. Hagar gave him the name El Roy, the God who sees. Elohim, Father God, the creator, mighty, awesome. Because what I really want to encourage you with today and what I believe God wants you to know is that the awe of God is what heals the ache of life. We were singing about it today. God is so good. He is mighty. He is amazing. I'm going to sing. I'm going to be honest. I was a little nervous about coming and talking to you today. And the second we started worshiping, I was fine. The awe of God is what heals the ache of life. It's just true. Sometimes that wouldn't make sense to the logical mind, but it is true. There's some scriptures in the, in the Bible that talk about the awe of God. Habakkuk, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. And the psalm says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. God in his greatness is worthy of all our devotion and praise. And my, one of my favorites in Jeremiah, where the Lord says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you don't yet know. We can call to him. He will answer and he will show us great and mighty things that we don't yet know. Maybe you're in the wilderness as well, like Hagar. Whatever that means to you, but God sees. He will come to you and you can be in awe of him. But you might be saying to me, Joy, how do I draw close to somebody I don't trust? And that's a tough one also. I think if we're honest, we can all admit we've been there as well. God, I don't know if I trust you. This feels gross. I don't like it. I don't know if I trust you. How are we able to draw close and let God hold us if we don't trust him? And so the final name of God that I want to talk about is my personal favorite, and it is Yahweh, which means I am. That was given to God at the burning bush where Moses asked, who are you? And God said, I am who I am. There was no other explanation there. That's it. He is who he is. And he is what? He is good. Sometimes when we're sitting in an intense, disappointing time, we can be tempted to mistrust God or to have unbelief that his promises for us are true because it doesn't feel that way. 
And our feelings are so powerful and they are valid. If you are in that place this morning, I see you. God sees you. That's okay. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay. But God is good, and his goodness will not allow anything to destroy his perfect grace in our lives. Amen? His goodness will not allow it. It is going to come against anything that is going to derail us from our purpose. And a true revelation of the goodness of God is going to bring healing. Being in awe of how good God is heals us. And it's just so simple. Not easy, but it's simple. He is good. That's who he is. Remember our verse in Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Disappointment. Well, in Lamentations 3, it says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. The one who seeks him. The Lord is good. That's a fact. And he is good to those whose hope is not in other people or our circumstances or our sufferings, but in him. God is good. We can trust him. He is greater than anything that you might be going through right now. There were times I would be just doubled over in my kitchen in pain and weeping, not knowing what was next and terrified of my future as a single mom. That was not anything I had planned. It hurt so bad. And I remember one day I just asked God to show me where you are in this. Where are you? I know you must be somewhere. Where are you in this? And he showed me. In my mind, he showed me he was physically, Jesus was physically kneeling next to me, tears streaming down his face. You need to know that whatever is hurting you today, whatever is grieving you, it grieves Jesus more. And he loves you so much. And he just wants to be with you and to hold you close. always make it better. That's just life. But he sees you. And he knows you. He wants to be with you. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, can we surrender to a good God who sees us? That's a tough question. It's not as rhetorical or easy as it sounds because it's a hard thing to actually do. So I want to just take a moment and if you're comfortable just close your eyes and ask God to bring to mind something and we're all thinking of something right now. It didn't take long I'm sure. Something that's painful or that you're struggling with right now. Hopelessness, pain, disease, loss of a loved one, maybe an estranged relationship, maybe it's abuse. I've been there also. Maybe it's a terminal diagnosis. Maybe it's addiction or sin. But 
want God to bring that to your mind. And whatever God brings to mind, just sit in it. Where are you? What do you see? What are the smells? What are you feeling? And in the midst of that, ask God, where are you? you look for him, you will find him. Now I want to say, if you are seeing him, but you just see his feet, we're going to rebuke shame right now in the name of Jesus, and I want you to lift your head and look at his face. Look at his beautiful face that loves you so much. If you don't see him, in your mind's eye, turn around. He's there. wants to bind that up in you. Jesus is always there. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. That's a promise. And I just want to say if you're struggling to find him in wherever you're at today, please come and let us pray for you. During this last song, we will have the prayer team come forward for prayer. If you are struggling, that's okay. We would love to pray for you. My prayer is that every single person in this building or watching online will be able to leave this moment knowing Jesus is right there and letting him be with us in his presence. He loves you so much. He sees you and he is greater than your situation. Sometimes I remember I would lay in bed at night and not really know what else to do or what to pray, except for, do you remember that old song, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing he can't do and he is bigger and he's with us. He wants to just be with us. <laughs> oh, Jesus, we love you so much. So I'm just going to leave you with this psalm beautiful Psalm 13 and because I'm a singer for the director of music a Psalm of David how long O Lord will you forget me forever how long will you hide your face from me how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day of sorrow in my heart how long will my enemy triumph over me but I trust in your unfailing love my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me.